Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. all of our nieces, nephews, and non-binary familial. I'm your Auntie Ruth. And I'm your Auntie Gina. Your. And we're your weird, weird. ants. Oh. Nailing it. Um, the show where we take a look at current pop culture and talk about how it connects to past trends and fads. Could it be... We're falling in love. With boo. Yeah. But, well, it's, it's no longer October. We're, this is a few days after. So it's just. We kind of missed, we missed the mark. But, but. It's also not a scary movie. No. We had another palate cleanser. And. It's because Dune came out. Dune 2021 came out, and since we did 1984's version, it was like, well, we have to do yeah. 2021. The public awaits. They really give a shit what we <laughs> think about this movie. And I'm glad. I am too. All right. So, if you were to have to describe Dune, what would one say? I can tell you what IMDb says. That's what I want to hear. The son of a noble family entrusted with the protection of the most valuable asset and most <laughs> vital element in the galaxy. Spice. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you need to know. No spoilers. <laughs> There's like the beginning of a sentence with nothing ending. I kind of like the movie. Kind yeah. of like this movie. Well, you know what I heard? I don't, maybe they've gotten the financial backing, but they made this movie without having the financial backing to do a part two. So their hope was that this would do oh. well enough to like get investors. But it's like COVID, so it's hard, you know, it's not playing in the theaters and you know so we shall yeah. see i i hope they do i, I thought do I that they were going to because that's i think that it may have been i i know it was a debate in the past but i don't know if it's been resolved yeah. i i hope they do i like that they um really um gave this one time they were allowed 
to have time with it. Yeah, and it really does stop, I would say, like, right at the mid- middle point where mm-hmm. he's about to, like, embark on this new chapter of his life. You know, it's funny, though. I mean, there were some times in the movie where I was kind of like, eh, this doesn't need to be in this. You kind of cut this bit out. This is Well, boring. you know what's so hard, though, is that at this point, we're really familiar with the story. But it's like, I don't know what it would be like for somebody who wasn't familiar with Dune if they needed that kind of information. I don't know if we're, I don't know if we're familiar with Dune. We saw Lynch's. Right. Oh, well, and then I did, like, um, I did, like, some research on it. And oh, so, okay. you know, and, you so know. So we were correct, is what you're saying. Always. Mm-hmm. Everything I read only affirms my beliefs. I don't know if that means. Always. <laughs> It means you're correct. Yeah. I never read anything that tells me that my opinion is wrong, which Mm -hmm. is really the healthiest way to get through life. But I think so. Yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, we, can we, can we we go over the cast first? Because this cast is madness. Oh, please. Oh my God. (laughs) Okay. So first of all, you have Timothy. Chalamet. Chalamet. Big Tim. Timmy Tim Tim. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have fucking Oscar Isaac. You have Jason Momoa. Stellan mm-hmm. Skarsgård. Um, Josh Brolin. Javier Bardem. Um, Dave Bautista, which he's funny. Oh, but he's um, great in this movie. I, he's I think really his, good. I think it's gonna in the next chapter. He's really gonna shine. I think so too. And I don't mean to like leave Zendaya. No, end, but because she's so fucking, she's beautiful and she's really really good. But when um, can when I just say like, real quick? Oh, please, please. I was just gonna say about Zendaya. If you are a Zendaya fan, mm-hmm. just know that you're gonna see about two minutes of her. I so. thought it's the same as the nineteen eighty four one. The way that they portrayed it, it was going to be a lot more of her in it, and it was not. No, there's about two minutes. I mean, I again, I feel like her Such and Dave Bautista's character. I mean, I think that they're going to play a larger part in I the second so. part, but in this one, it was like a white snake video version of Zendaya. Like, just like, I'm having <laughs> dreams, and then she's like, her hair is blowing in the desert. Is love? You know, like, slow. <laughs> that I'm feeling, panning, looking to the side. Boom, you know. Just like, <laughs> she wasn't, like, saying lines or anything. She was, like, just making shapes in a dream what world. Else, what else does she need to do? She's She's Zendaya. So the the one that I was like, ooh, ooh, is that who I think it is? Was um, Charlotte Rampling. <gasps> Took the words right out of my mouth. As the Reverend Mother. Perfect casting. <gasps> like, because she had the thing over her face, the veil or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And through that veil, I could tell. I was like, is Me too. it? Is it her? It is her. It's her. It was like... I was given a gift. 
This cast is so amazing. Like, none of the roles are throwaway roles. Well, and in Dune, he, no. he was able to do that, too. Like, he had a really strong cast. It wasn't mm. it, it wasn't that the cast wasn't strong. Like Oh, Lynch's? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There were some heavy hitters in that cast. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying, like, every single role. You think, oh, this is so small. Like, there's no, like... They can just give this to an unknown, but they did not. Even they the smallest did. roles had the greatest character actors there are. Yes. Yes. Uh, what was her name? Dr. Kynes? I don't remember Dr. Kynes in the 84 movie. I'm almost wondering, like, if they were even in it. But the woman who played Dr. Kynes was pretty fucking badass. Yeah. I loved her. Yeah. She was amazing. Um, and then like there was just certain actors that really like stole the show. Um, so Oh wait, another one I want to mention because I would have never in a million and maybe you don't know this either, but you probably do. Marianne Faithful. Oh is, wow. Is uh, a voice of a Benny Gesserit ancestor in it. Oh, that's cool. Okay. So I was going to say, yes. You know, to start, I mean, we covered sort of the plot points, but so we'll just give like a brief review of the plot points in order to talk about like the characters and performances yeah because this one was a little bit different i mean there was no whispering in in you know in your head whispering that's what i mean to yourself it was all all talking okay so i think that when you were saying that you didn't know if like some parts were important or not the i think that the reason it was a little it felt that way to us is because we all we learned the exposition in the first movie but in this movie he was like given the job of communicating all this information in a different way mm. so the fact that they didn't use computers and they didn't have artificial intelligence and mm-hmm. you know like th- those sort of things had to be communicated and the voice that you know we were like, oh, this is the power of the Bene Jesuit, or they're not the Jesuits, they're the... <laughs> Jesuit. Jesuit, the yeah. The Bene Jesuit. <laughs> Which sounds like like a weird Catholic, like... Yeah. You know, so in order to communicate, like, oh, the weirding moves are a different mo- kind of, like, did fighting style. Did they even style. talk about the weirding way? They did. Like, later in oh. the film when they meet up with the Fremen. Yeah. Like, he goes to attack, and the mother uses the weirding way Uh to fight him, and he said, oh, you didn't say that you were, you know, that you were trained in the weirding way. Oh, okay. Do you not remember that? I remember remember that all of it. Yeah, I remember the whole scene. I just don't remember him saying that. Oh, Yeah. I remember, you know why I remember that with such clarity? Because you know who said it? Javier Bardem. (laughs) Yes. There is something about that man. First of all, he looks like he's 10 feet tall. He looks like the Hulk to me. I mean, his presence is 
so huge. Yeah. And again, he he doesn't show up very much, but like he's five foot eight. No. No, I'm kidding. I don't know. <laughs> I was like, not a chance. Not not my hobby. Um, <laughs> you know, and I get like there's this weird quality because it's the same thing with Kylo Ren. I fucking No Country for Old Men. Like I watched that movie about a hundred times, and it was for him. Yeah. Same. I don't know what it is with, like, these, like, really... Passionate like, men. They're passionate psychopaths. Yeah. But anyway, I but that's the thing. I felt like he didn't seem cold-hearted to me in that role, which was weird. Like, he, he seemed to live by a code of ethics, and I couldn't dispute it. He was just a, you know. I was able to follow characters better in this one. Yeah, I think that's the other thing. I think that he did sort of take the time to show people and their relationships. Yes. So, and again, because he wasn't using, you know, this exposition where he's like sticking the princess from Neverending Story. <laughs> At the beginning. And to talking hypnotize you at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, for 15 minutes, like, telling us about the history of the four planets and the spice trade uh-huh. wars. Like, can you imagine? It's like, whatever. Anyway, so I, there was a lot of establishing shots to, like, and also just establishing where they are, where they look like, you know, and... Also, the way that they explained things was really really well done like because paul is like in school like he's like watching those videos and the videos he's learning while we're learning basically about Mm -hmm. oh these are the different planets blah 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 blah. and he's just like you know watching learning and then also um um questions are answered through conversations like yeah like maybe he knows but then he asks his dad again like you know dad why this and his dad's like because yeah and it's like it's much better yeah it's much more organic and natural yeah rather than him being like oh arrakis a desert planet i wonder what the you know i wonder what the relationship between worms and spices you know, maybe if you would talk out loud, <laughs> that's the thing. He does not. <laughs> but you know what? The other thing that I feel like Tim uh, Timothee Chalamet yes. was perfectly cast because mm. he looked like like the character of the book. He's supposed to be kind of like a teenager, yeah. you know, just coming into his own. And Kyle MacLachlan, bless his heart, I'm sure when he was 14, he looked like the vice president of a bank. Like, he (laughs) never looked young. Like, he was the boss baby. So, I mean, I know he was supposed to look like a teenager, but his jaw said otherwise. And so, he doesn't look, like, vulnerable, like, sweet, like, moon-eyed Timothee. Where when he was, like, getting in a fight, you were like, Jesus, like, be careful of his bones. I don't think he has enough calcium. Like, he's... Thin, thin. He's only bones. He, yeah. That's all he's got. That's all. And he's using them. 
that scene where where he like was in bed and took his like he had his shirt off and stuff. I was like, oh my god, he's so bony. He's so yeah. bony. A little say- model. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he definitely looks like an like an animated version of Johnny Depp, like in The Corpse Bride. Yes. <laughs> so I can mm-hmm. see like that how that generation is devoted to him. If he didn't look like a kid I could babysit, it might be different for me, but it's the hair. I know he's got beautiful hair. He's I know so it is. I know, but like again, I just want to like bring orange slices to him after soccer practice cuz mm. he's just a tiny little boy. Like he's not but he's that, not Javier so, Bardem. In that scene you're talking about, it works really well too. Like his youthful looks and you know attitude etc because um you know his it was so intense and so realistic and like um not cheesy at all because he had to fight that guy right to the death and mom is like he's never killed anybody and he's like yeah like this guy's a kid you know that's the thing because again when i saw like kyle mclaughlin i was like well that's a square jawed like ww2 fighter like that's he'll be fine that's a 30 year old man yeah like he could be a bare knuckle boxer because nobody's gonna break that fucking jaw like, <laughs> but timotei once they get past like his leave-in conditioner he's fucked like <laughs> i was like unless he knew how to do his like weirding rave dance or whatever the, it's like some sort of like a beautiful a hopping I don't know how to describe it but it's a lot of like jumping around people like a nymph like confusing them like how he moves on the dunes <laughs> like how he he his he's not making rhythm on the dunes oh yeah but it's like you know I got a tiptoe from these worms tippity tap tippity tap tippity tap like just all across the tippity tap yeah, like it is like it looks like they're sort of like long form skiing or what's that? Yes, cross country yes. skiing. Uh huh, exactly that. And his mom Rebe- is played by Rebecca Ferguson, and she's a Swedish actress. I don't know her. I I don't recognize her immediately. I need to look back at more of her filmography, but I think she's like got a like a really strong Swedish career anyway, from when I. Hmm. Red, but she's gorgeous. I thought she did oh, great. Yeah. Oh yeah, and I yeah. I liked. So for me, like again in this film, I felt like um, things were just like not even explained verbally, but portrayed in such a way to where you understood the relationship, right. and you were kind of coming into it like fresh, nothing explained, but you could feel their relationship to each other you know this is mama the protector do you know what scene oh sorry no go ahead but i think you'll agree with me you know Mm -hmm. that scene where there's they're about to go in to meet charlotte rampling's character Mm -hmm. who's like kind of like the mother superior of the bene Gesserit. um and the thing is is that as a mother, you could see in her eyes that she's frantic because she knows the stakes of this interaction. He does not. And yeah. so he can't, she can't betray that to him because he doesn't, she doesn't want to cause anxiety, but she also, you know, has to like 
show strength in front of the mother superior, but you saw that conflict. You know, yeah, you saw her go also, in. Yeah. She's not allowed to say anything either. Right. So it's like, but she was able to communicate that so well, like mm-hmm. the holding back, you know, to in yes. order to protect. And just, that's the thing. Both of those, Timmy and his mother, they both have this sort of like face that you can just read anything on it. Yeah. Which is like, which is effective acting. Yes. But you know, when you talk to somebody, you can just read what's on their face, like even if yeah. it's the opposite. And so, yeah, they just break your heart. They were just like such a, a, um, a really powerful duo together. Like they were in it together and it was like such a great power dynamic. Like there, there wasn't one that was more powerful than the other one because they worked together. But they were both as intelligent as each other. Like, mom was, like, smart as fuck. Which I didn't really get that from the first one at all. But this one, it's like, it showed more of her knowledge of the, you know, what the Bene Gesserit taught her and everything. It it didn't portray her as, like, this, ooh, you know, wilting flower. Like but she wasn't an oh. accessory. I mean, no, you hardly... You hardly ever see a movie, especially a movie that's sort of like a hero's journey where the companion is the mother. Yeah, that too. You know, it's a yeah. really powerful that you, you know, she's preparing him for that transition into manhood. Mm-hmm. And that's a very, the thing is, that's such, such a common experience for people, but it's so rarely on film, certainly not in a glorified fashion. Yeah. And, you know... I think that's one of the best elements of the story. Yeah, for sure. One thing um, that got on my nerves was how they pronounced. I've always thought it was Harkonnen. And they said Harkonnen. Okay. That bothered me. Well, you know, it's funny, though, because I thought that because I think Harkonnen is a name, like a like a common name. So I always... Yeah, so I thought that's how it should, would have been pronounced, but I'm going to tell you, I am not um, a, G- a Dune expert. No, nor am I. I mean, I took my CBD gummy and I watched uh-huh. a lot of um, book reviews about Dune and like, uh-huh. and that I, whatever level of expertise that is. Pro. Uh, uh, pro. Right. Yeah. You could write your own book, basically. Well, I'm working on it. I'm glad you validated that for me because, yes, I have started. How do you pronounce Harkonnen? Well, I thought it was, I thought it looked like Harkonnen. Okay. I felt okay with that. But you're right. In the first movie, they do say Harkonnen. I just say Harkonnen sounds more like intimidating, like (laughs) Harkonnen. Yeah, it but, sounds like, yeah, like Shonen or Ronin. Ronin. Conan. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, but, it is. But Harkonnen sounds like like a Dutch accountant or... Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Like a, like a rational Scandinavian family. Yeah. And that's Harmless. not what we got with this baron. We Certainly got a crazy not. Scandinavian baron. Okay. And I mean, how long... Did it take me to spot the scars guard immediately? No. You can't you can't cover up 
the royal family of Skarsgård in any kind of makeup. It makeup. You can't cover those scars. (laughs) No. You got to guard against the scars because they're going (laughs) to pop up in a mask. Covered like a big floating turd. Yes. Like they're going to come at you as a vampire and you just, you're like, nope, I know. I could, I could spot that Skarsgård a mile away. Yep. He was amazing. (laughs) So good. Like, I, yeah. And he was, he was disgusting in a way that wasn't repellent. Like they communicated that without having to stick needles into boils. You didn't miss the boils. (laughs) Girl. No. I mean, that's the thing. Again, I, I think did. I think I that did. was a Lynch. I think Lynch had to go through a, a repulsion period. Because there's a, you know, then, you know, you watch Blue Velvet opens up on a fucking ear in the lawn. Am I right? <laughs> you are right. Like, he was. Oh, and Eraserhead, you've never seen it, but there is a scene no. in that, too. Um, I want to, bo- I the what I've seen, when I saw some little baby. Which was... Uh, this is beside the baby. This is before the baby. Oh, There's I can't. Another I can't, girl. Well, you know I can't. I'm going to puke out my eyes. Mm-mm. Don't puke out I'll puke my... He just does it. Like, I like I do. I think it's kind of like that same, I'm totally like, Peter, Peter Jackson 80s vibe where it's like... Oh, yeah. I can make a scary movie, but I want to make one that's going to make you throw up two weeks after what you watch call it. that, like, body horror? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. That is a genre. Yeah, but this yeah. was this was the beginning where things were like just joyfully repellent. Like it, now it gets like kind of violently repellent. But it yeah. But it was like in that same way the kids are like ew gross squash anyway. <laughs> you know what? Can I um, just? I mean, spoilers. I'm sure most people have seen this though on a it already. But um, there was no fan in this. No sting. I wouldn't that be great minutes? if like Sting reprised his role? Oh my gosh! The- <laughs> I'm gonna see how many. Okay, it took you nearly. So we're past about 25 minutes. I've been waiting for you to mention missing Sting <laughs> since the first second. I was not gonna say it. I knew for sure. I knew for sure you'd bring it up. What <laughs> I mean. I was looking for somebody in a silver diaper, and I was like, what treat are they going to bestow? What? Where is he? There wasn't any. There was no treats. You don't get to see Sting going, I wish to kill the son of the the Atreides heir, or whatever he says. Oh, God. Um... I mean, clearly it's going to be in the second one. And if they make a third one, it'll be in the third one. But um, you, you I mean, think he, his character will show up? Oh, it has to. You think? Yes. For sure. It would be because Dave Bautista plays what we know will become the sort of. <laughs> it's like, um, you know, when they would when Spain would like colonize South America and they sent somebody over to like govern they, what name did they have? Oh, shit. Viceroys. Oh. Viceroys. Um, so, yeah, that's what he is. So, the 
Harkonnen or Harkonnen house, um, once, and you'll see this in the first film, I mean, or the original rather, but Timothy's family is going there because these two powerful families are sent to look after this colonized planet. So, like, they're sort of viceroys of this planet that, you know, Arrakis. is Arrakis. <laughs> um, and so they, you know, the empire that they're a part of uses the natural resources. Of course, they don't have the people that actually live there run it. So I think this is, you know, I mean, you can see like parallels, but anyway. Um, oh, I think that's exactly what it's always supposed to be. Yeah. But I mean, ugh, you couldn't really, I mean, they didn't really portray that very well in the first, in the original one, as well as this one. You could see how right. heavy it was, like the war. And you know what's funny is like they didn't actually get they they um they missed other stuff that was in the original movie, like time framing molding folding. They didn't mention that in this one, but they brought up more important things to me, such as this, like the um, imperialism of it. Right. Um, yes. Which is essentially the story of it. It's like. Um, I don't want to cause any waves, but you know, uh, we're seeing it today and we've, it's always been in certain parts of the world. Right. The, the people that live in like rich, the, the, that live in countries that are rich in natural resources, they don't benefit from what's on their land. Right. But these people from other countries come to manage those assets and not right. leave them in the hands of the people they could ask actually prosper. Exactly. Who, who are, by the way, like getting it out of the ground and harvesting it and everything else. And like, mm. so that's a very strong parallel. And that's the thing. So Timothy kind of like um, in the Game of Thrones is there to break the wheel. Um, mm. You know, yeah. he does not have dragons yet. He's going to get a sandworm in the next movie. Yeah, here's um, hoping. Fingers crossed. Well, that's the thing because what we, another thing we did not see was butthole surfing. No, those huge carnivorous buttholes Mm-mm. that Timothy is going to ride. Can't wait. Oh, you know, we didn't talk about the other thing about um, Josh Brolin. Is that his name? That? Yeah. He gave me such Big Brother and Goonies energy, this whole movie. <laughs> He's bringing it. He's just carrying it right on through. Like, he has this same, he just has that same energy, and even, like, his body language and everything was like, hey, kid, you know, let's fight. You're gonna need this. We're going somewhere yeah. dangerous, bro. Like, yeah, totally. you know, just so sweet. It just imprinted on my mind at such a young age, and, like, even when he was, like, <laughs> Thanos, I was like, Oh, come on, bro. <laughs> Help us get out of this undercover cave. <laughs> well, the, he the, he plays the character that... Um, oh, he's uh, also in No Country for Old Men. He is. Mm-hmm. You don't even remember that because you, too, are strangely attracted to Javier Bardem in that movie. <laughs> 
there's other people in that movie? <laughs> I know. You were like, all I remember is a beautiful dance with me and Har- Javier Har- Bardem. <laughs> with me and Harvey Keitel. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Narrated by in-house, out-house. What's that guy's name? Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> he just narrates my weird weird i guess psychosexual fantasy of a man with a bowl cut no conscience and a code of honor <laughs> apparently ask for anything more i know like they have to have like a shag like snape kylo ren or like his little curled under bob with bangs don't you know he's known for the bop, bop? <laughs> you know what? That's where I copied mine from. I mean, I don't want to say that you look like a beautiful lady, Javier Bardem, but... <laughs> well, thank you. That's a, that's implied. But yeah, so... Uh, it was too much for me. I mean, he can pull it off, but I was like, this is too much power. I can't handle this. I want to try. I want to die trying. Um, um yeah. So, well, so he... He plays the character, um, uh, Josh Brolin plays the character that Patrick Stewart played. And it's, yes. it's, it's like, it, it's totally different dynamic, like you were saying. And Jason Momoa. Um, Duncan he, Idaho. Duncan Idaho was in this so much more <clears throat> than he was in the 1984 one. Like, at all. Because um, in Lynch's, he was, like, barely it's- in it. When like because he died and everybody was really upset, but he didn't realize he hadn't been given the time to establish that relationship, no, and that's why that's what is so much better about this film is that not only are things like just the the political aspect established mm-hmm. in a way that made sense and wasn't like expository, um, but also like it gave time to really develop relationships and understand the lay of the land. Yes. And also, like, you know, the other people have different customs and, you know, it, those things were established. Yeah. Like, the religions were established and made sense to me anyway. No, it did to me too. I liked, I liked that, like, how <clears throat> it wasn't just these, like, people that lived there and they had blue eyes. It was, like, <laughs> you know. Right. Um, they they explained um, the reason for why it was built the way it was, these buildings. And in the 1984 one, it just looked like these shitty caves that they ran into. It looked like Land of the Lost. Do you remember? Totally. A hundred percent that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay, and so, that's oh. not what it was at all. It was like these um, really well built underground, you know. And that's the thing. This, the thing that the thing that I thought that where Dune the first iteration excelled with David Lynch is that mm-hmm. he again has like the way he approaches nearly anything is like it's just infused with vibrancy and color and even if you're just like using muted like uh, metallics or whatever it's um I don't know it's sort of exaggerated for effect whereas uh, Denis Villeneuve 
like his iteration. Good. Like, thank you. I did look it up. <laughs> that wasn't my assumption. I had to watch Ow. him say it like three times in a row. <laughs> I wouldn't even attempt it. Well, because I was like, is it Villanueva? Because I have a friend with the last name Villanueva, which of course, different language. But um, I was like, is it like Villanueva? But he was like Villanueva. Uh, Denny Villanueva. Anyway, but he did Arrival, which he does these sci-fi movies that are like poetic and... Uh, they try to come off as realistic. It's not like a stage set. Yeah, he takes it, he gets to the heart of it instead of like the surroundings. And the it's, other thing is the, it's the details. I saw he was doing a scene breakdown where it, in the library when he was doing the test with uh, Charlotte Rampling, where yeah. he puts his hand in the box. Um, it was a library and the books like went up to the ceiling and it, it had like handmade rugs and he was like i wanted to give the impression that even though it's set in the future that this place has already been around for hundreds of years and i was like it's wow. that is one of the beautiful things i noticed about this movie is that even though it was set in the future you could tell these places have been lived in there yes. is a past yeah you know um there was a sense of history like it didn't just it, you know what I mean? It didn't look yes. uh, like prefabricated. Every, and everything had like a different level of, you know, some of it was more primitive, some of like different yeah. architectural styles. So I mean, it's just the attention to detail and world building. But also like the, the planets were different too. It was like obviously different. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't presented like, here's one planet and here's another sandy planet it was you know like we are on the planet of water that's right. what we have Arrakis yeah this is the planet of sand and spice and you know and there's going to be a vibe shift a huge you know? vibe shift yeah so and it's not yeah it it was really believable <laughs> i saw have did you ever see prometheus yeah that also had, and I think, again, because I know that, you know, as a sci-fi director, I know that he's he's even mentioned that, obviously, he's seen Aliens a million times, also loves, like, David Lynch and Doom, but that's what I think that I see that, like, that definitely, like, that way that the, certainly the newest Alien movies, like, but newest by, like, 1990 standards, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, is that they would arrive places that already had a sense of a past, which is creepy in a movie about space. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like they've been at this for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't them discovering something, right? Yeah, yeah. It's that not like creepy. like if you were if you were to go to a planet and you saw this like what would essentially be like the inside of a Mayan temple with all these carvings. We're like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah. Like that, that to me is a lot scarier than just like a sandworm on Mars. Well, sorry. Okay. There is a sandworm here, but like, you know. <laughs> that's beside the point. <laughs> yeah. I'm scared of sandworms. Sure. But like, I don't know. That's just creepy to think that 
you know, it almost to me, like, if they were doing, like, like, undersea, like, mapping under the water and they found, like, an ancient civilization under the ocean. Yeah. Freak me out. Uh, Atlantis. That, sure. If there was a casino underwater, a prehistoric casino <laughs> called Atlantis. <laughs> and they had, it's like... Real. <laughs> And they had roulette, but it was made out of granite. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I just love that. Who else? I mean, obviously, Oscar Isaac. You know what I really liked was um, Dr. Yui. Um, I really understood that character a lot better in this version, too. And... Um, how he wasn't played by a white man right was nice um but it was more clear his intention and why he did every little thing that he did right and it sucked yeah like what you know i i don't know like it was lynch's you know was very distracting for many different reasons and a lot of it was, it was just so over the top a lot of it is um, eyebrows. So many eyebrows. Very thick, bushy, old man eyebrows. Lynch loved it. And boils. He loved boils. Yeah. It's a theme. Yeah. So that was distracting for me. And this, it was, like, character-driven. And I could pay more attention to what the actual storyline was. Like, I didn't feel like I was distracted by anything. You know? Oh, Yeah. Very, very good storytelling, very good acting. Um, but I was waiting for the tooth. <laughs> I was like, I really hope he mentions the tooth. Mm-hmm. And the tooth was mentioned. It yeah. Was, it was brought into play. And I thought it like was pulled off to a much better effect with like a room full of people. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, honestly, the I like the movie more as we're talking about it it's like making me appreciate it more and i do think definitely should make the follow-up i mean i'm sure they are but oh i really hope so because it it is popular i mean a lot of people and it's beautiful there's no it's not oh. getting bad review well i don't know i didn't really check but who cares who cares i, I think it's one. great yeah it is beautiful it's like i have this thing i don't know if i told you i think i have i've probably said it on the podcast before I don't like sweaty-looking people in films. And I desperately hate um, movies that are set in the desert. Yeah. Um, or heat, any mm-hmm. kind of heat, because I fear that they're going to be sweating. Right. And I don't want to see that. This was a beautiful dusty cold and the thing is is like when they got there they're like it's a thousand degrees mm-hmm. just stay inside don't come out here i'm watering palm trees um you get it's hot i don't need to see sweat right to know that it's hot you told me it's hot i right. got it let's go yeah. inside <sighs> yeah let's put on our our suits that we know how to put on so perfectly, even though we weren't told. 
Let's drink our own sweat and piss. We don't need to look at it. No. I appreciated this movie a lot because of that. Yeah. I mean, does it bother you right now that I had six steroid shots and I'm sweating? No, you sweating doesn't bother me. I don't like on film watching people, watching actors sweating on film. I would, if I had to describe it, I would say I'm at sweating like a preacher on the 4th of July. <laughs> Level sweating. That's fine. Reality sweat doesn't bother me. Okay. okay. It's movie sweat that bothers movie sweat. me. Okay. I don't like it at all. And you know, it started kind of like when I was a kid and I'd watch old movies from the 50s and the 60s, and they were always so goddamn sweaty. And it's like, why are you so fucking sweaty? You're not even at... This can't be that hot out. I mean... You're not in the desert. You're just outside. Why are you sweating profusely? I don't want to look at this. And it and it became a thing for me. I, look, I I get it and I'm not... I There's so many things that you do watch that are shocking. That mm. for you to not like sweating is fine. I mean... Thank you. You watch some of the most horrifying films you are unfazed <laughs> but sweat gets to me <laughs> like you can watch somebody getting teeth extracted and eye surgery popping boils like in real time yeah like real people yeah I like it yeah and seeing that would be an intrusive thought that bothered me for 10 years mm. and especially when I'm cooking it would just pop up and then I would feel like I'm going to barf. Not you, but watching people be what you perceive as too hot. Yeah, fake sweat. I hate, <laughs> I hate it. Okay. I hate it. Like, what is the point of this? I get it. But That's this all. is, I, I just want to tell everybody that we have indeed had a, quite, uh, a conversation about your sweat preferences on film before oh oh yeah oh good well then <laughs> we gone too far for too long uh, no 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 i mean definitely i know privately we have because there are some movies where i was like i suggested them and you said no i know for a fact that they are going to sweat throughout the whole movie can't handle it and you couldn't handle it i can't do it but a war crime documentary no problem well no <laughs> that's real that's real life no i know I know. You're better for knowing it. Don't let people die in vain. Okay. But so I think if you're familiar with Dune, and again, this is like essentially like half of the information you would have gotten in Lynch's Dune at this point. You're like you're at a good halfway point. Yeah. Um, so, I think I, I think it's definitely worth checking out, even if you're not familiar with Dune. Oh, you don't need to be. You don't. You don't have to. No. They'll tell you. It's a In really. Fact that, oh, it's just it's a really well made movie. In general, even if you just want to watch it as a movie, you know, because it's not going to really take you anywhere that you couldn't follow easily. Uh, I saw when there, 
I don't, there was like a BBC conversation about it and they were like saying that, you know, this is more like an intellectual sci-fi movie, not like, you know, like a Michael yeah. Bay does do, like a Transformers sort of, um, and you know, it, it may not perform at the same, but I was like, I think there probably is, you know, a lot of interest, certainly globally for like a really like elevated, you know, sophisticated sci-fi movie. And th I think this is a much easier entrance point. And then you can go back and revisit, you know, David Lynch's yeah. Dune. And, and you could see what he could have done had he been given more time. I feel like um, if you like camp. Yeah. Um, if you like Lynch if you know you're into that kind of thing you like over the top right if you like you're cult gonna love movies cult yeah. movies absolutely you're gonna love do 1984 the cast is amazing too in that i mean it's great but like, it's exactly what you think it's gonna be you know yes, what i mean <laughs> it is <laughs> it's not it, is. it feels very much like david lynch does dune <laughs> yes but like if you're looking for more of a story that's easier to follow and more not organic. a lot of not a lot of whispering in your head mm, to explain things. Um, this movie is really really good. Yeah, I it's think a so really too. Well -made film. Oh well, we re we agreed on a movie. We've been having a bad streak there. <laughs> we <have. laughs> Yay, we're back to normal. Yeah, we we are of the same mind. I'm so glad. So, is there anything else you wanted to add before we get to the songs? Okay, okay. So, you know, we did make a playlist. We, for every movie, we make a playlist that we put on Spotify, which is... Your Weird Ants playlist? Yes. <laughs> and then, um, so we made one for, for David Lynch's Dune, but this is a different vibe, so you're yeah. going to get a different playlist so uh so um this i chose three songs um and the first one i chose was 92 degrees by Susie and the banshees good yeah i wanted to do that another Susie sue yeah. song because we did one on the last one cities and dust but like this is good too it very much is i like it it's the vibe for me absolutely and then, um, I, this is so the opposite of what, of what, um, Is it another Frank Stallone song? No, no, I chose No Cheesy. No Cheesy. <laughs> so this is, like, the opposite of actually what the movie's trying to portray, but I chose, um, Get Rhythm by Johnny Cash. Interesting. Because they have to do a weird little worm rhythm dance, right? To not to right. hide their rhythm but the worm is like hey get rhythm <laughs> so it's got, you're you're this is a song on behalf of the worm yeah. this is from the worm's perspective <laughs> i can't find you <laughs> give me that thumper and get some rhythm <laughs> uh, the third song i chose was sand and it's by nancy sinatra and lee hazelwood interesting very good a, always a little misogynistic 
um you know <laughs> what's a not? classic from the 60s i don't even know yeah. but beautiful song wonderful duo those two and um i yeah those were my three. Oh, those are good so i thought of so bjork's one day you know i, th- I think it's off of debut it might be where it's like oh, one yes. day when you're ready but there's that line where she's like you know one day it'll all make sense the atmosphere will grow b- brighter and two suns ready to shine just for you and that made me think of the two it's just you know this sort of song about like like when you're ready to sort of open up on your like spiritual growth on a journey like it's all there for you it's all there for you Paula Trades. that's right um (laughs) as long as you keep that hair um Mm -hmm. but the other song was um the temptation by new order the oh "Oh, you've got blue eyes um and because you know isn't day it's never met a girl like you before not like it (laughs) no i never met anyone quite like um and so this is my piece de resistance what we did not see in this movie, but what we will see in the next part, is when Paul Atreides learns how to ride a worm. Yes. And I was like, you could say he's almost butthole surfing. <laughs> and so... <laughs> so I picked Pepper by the butthole surfers. Classic! That is, like, I love you. <laughs> Come on, buddy. It's validating when somebody has the exact same taste as you. <laughs> We're like, we have to have good taste because we agree on it. <laughs> that song is really good, though. It is good, though. <laughs> I don't mind the sun sometimes. Oh, I yeah, now I'm going to go listen to that. Taste you Boy, on my to. lips. Oh, it's so good. But close it all Okay. You never know just how Okay. Through other people's eyes. Oh my god. Plug that in. Ruin up your algorithm. Oh, so here we go. So this is our algorithm. It's it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. It's like um, if your sleep paralysis demon learned how to play the synthesizer, that's what our algorithm looks like. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Just spooky, ooky, ooky synth. Um, anyway. <laughs> but with that, I want to thank everyone for listening to the show. You can send in your recommendations of music, movies, and shows that you want us to check out. We'd love to hear from you. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Weird Aunties, Instagram, Your Weird Ants, Facebook page, Your Weird Ants, or email us at, you'll never guess, yourweirdants at gmail.com. Oh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, also, please don't forget to like and rate and subscribe and comment all your good thoughts and wishes and feelings to us um, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yeah. And 
you know, um, check us next week when I'm almost positive we're gonna do another horror movie because for me, but yeah, because for, you know, people with broken families, the holidays are a fucking nightmare. So that we're, I, I feel like <laughs> horror, we're just gonna stick with that for a while. But anyway, well, it's good to see you, partner. Good to see you, partner. And yeah. good to good to be here. Uh, with that, thanks again. I'm your Auntie Ruth. Oh, and I'm your Auntie Gina. You're weird. Ants. What's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now 